Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. Firstly, apologies in advance. Uh, I underestimated how much our exams are going to butcher me, which is why this episode has been delayed so long. Uh, in this episode, we'll discuss ventilation. And uh, to quickly recap this episode briefly, the respiratory cycle is divided into the inspiratory and expiratory phase. The inspiratory is where the thoracic cavity uh, volume increases and that's performed by the external intercostals and the diaphragm and uh, expiration which is where the thoracic volume decreases and that's mostly mostly in effect uh, from elasticity from the chest expansion. In times of need, the accessory muscles are engaged which are the sternocleidomastoid, anterior serrati, scalenes and in times of need, uh, the abdomini recti and internal intercostals can help with expiration. Now let's talk about pressures. Uh, the first which we're going to talk about is barometric pressure, which is a pressure in the atmosphere. And the second one is a plural pressure, which is uh, also known as intra-plural plural pressures, following which we'll talk about the alveolar pressure, or also known as the intra-alveolar pressure. The first pressure that we're going to discuss is the, uh, the plural pressure, actually. Uh, which is composed of, uh, remembering that the pleura is composed of two membranes, uh, the outer parietal pleura is adherent to the inside of the musculoskeletal chest wall, musculoskeletal part of the chest wall. The inner visceral pleura is adherent to the lung. This pleural pressure is quoted as a difference between the inner pressure compared to the outside pressure, uh, which in this case means the pressure created by inward recoil um, of the lung minus the pressure created by the force that is created by the outer chest wall pulling onto the parietal pleura. Um, the outer chest wall exerts a greater force than the recoil, which means that uh, this pressure remains negative, uh, given that the outer pressure is now greater than the inward pressure. When the chest wall moves outwards even more, the outer pressure increases again with respect to the inner, and this means the pleural pressure becomes more negative, ranging from uh, anywhere between negative five centimeters of water to negative seven centimeters of uh, the very same. The convention of comparing inside pressures to outside is uh, uh, preserved throughout lung physiology. Because the outer force is always greater, the alveoli and terminal respiratory bronchioles are always held open, preventing full collapse. It takes greater energy and effort to uh, open a collapsed airway rather than a, a already semi-open one. Furthermore, uh, collapsed airways also increase the risk of infections. Now that we've talked about uh, the concept, let's discuss uh, compliance a little bit more. This is a parameter used to measure how much a lung expands at any given pressure. It is an indirect way of measuring how dis distensible a lung is. A more compliant lung will expand easier with lower pressure than a less compliant lung. Compliance is different at inspiratory and expiration. Compliance is very important. A less compliant lung becomes a problem when the work of opening the alveoli and hence breathing becomes greater than the individual can sustain for a long time due to respiratory muscle weakness or fatigue. This is seen in situations such as the infant respiratory distress syndrome uh, in uh, neonates, um, acute respiratory distress syndrome in adults, or advanced restrictive or obstructive diseases. In these cases, uh, in advanced disease, in these cases, the work of breathing uh, is assisted through increasing oxygen delivered um, uh, uh, to the lungs 
uh, reducing the amount of work the uh, patient's lungs actually have to do and in some cases mechanical ventilation may uh, need to be employed. The compliance of the lung is determined by one, the elasticity of the alveoli that affects, that keeps them open and two, the surface tension that uh, is required to not shut them completely. Elasticity of the lung is determined by elastin and other components of the connective tissue that make up the alveolar. With alveolar filling, this elastic tissue uh, acts in a directional force aimed to close the alveoli, making them less compliant. In restrictive diseases, the compliance is affected in this very manner. The second part is a surface tension which is created by the liquid coating the insides of the alveoli. Water is very polar and tends to be attracted to itself very powerfully. When water is coated in the alveoli, um, this inward force pulls them uh, shut and the compliance of the lung reduces. In, indeed, type 2 pneumocytes in the alveoli, as we discussed in the first few episodes, secrete surfactant, which um, has less of this effect of pulling the, the alveoli shut. In premature babies, the surfactant-producing capability is not developed and they end up with less compliant uh, uh, lungs. Uh, resulting in the infant respiratory distress syndrome as I earlier mentioned. Now let's talk a little bit about pulmonary volumes and uh, capacities. Lung function is uh, assessed by several different techniques, one of which is spirometry. Briefly, a tube is connected to the patient's mouth and they are instructed to breathe in and out of that tube. A transducer on the other side uh, makes measurements in the volume. They give us the following parameters. One, the tidal volume, which is the volume that the person breathes in and out uh, in each breath at normal um, in a normal state and that's about 500 milliliters of air uh, number two is the inspiratory reserve volume which is a volume above the tidal volume the volume of air that a person can suck in after breathing normally and that's about 2.5 to 3 liters the third volume is the expiratory reserve volume which is the volume below the tidal volume uh, of air that a person can exhale after the end of normal expiration and that's about one liter. The residual volume is the air inside of the lungs that can never be fully completely exhaled and that's about 1.2 liters. From these values the following parameters are uh, uh, extracted. The inspiratory capacity which is a tidal volume plus the reserve. The second one is a functional residual volume which is expiratory reserve plus the residual volume. Then there's a vital capacity, which is the maximum amount of air a person can exhale after filling the lungs um, uh, to the fullest. And this equals the expiratory reserve plus the inspiratory reserve. Then there's a total volume, uh, total lung volume, which is a maximum a lung um, can hold in terms of air. And that's about 6 liters. Of course, this is much of a generalization. Larger people with bigger thoracic cages have bigger capacities. And more athletic people tend to have bigger volumes too. These volumes are of paramount importance in the diagnosis, treatment, uh, and planning for lung disease management. Let's talk a little bit about the dead space. In the length of the breathing tubes, only air at the terminal bronchi and alveoli are actually involved in gas exchange. The rest of this tube, including the uh, nasal cavity, pharynx, trachea, all don't actually participate. Uh, this uh, region is called a dead space and more specifically is the anatomical dead space. When a person exhales, the dead space is eliminated first and this means that this air contains the same uh, concentration of gases that are inside of inhaled gas, inhaled air rather. 
This is normally about 150 milliliters. The functional dead space is a volume of air in the alveoli that are not perfused by blood. So essentially they're anatomically fine but functionally useless. And we will be talking more about these basic concepts in further episodes, especially when we're going to talk about lung pathology. Thank you so much for sticking along and hopefully I'll see you in the next episode where we'll talk about pulmonary circulation. episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our co-editor Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.